What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ Hall, declining 13 minutes to go ahead of the close. Just 13 minutes left in the trading month of August, a sell-off in oil, sending stocks slumping. S&P 500 index erasing its monthly gain as traders await jobs data to assess the outlook for interest rates in the U.S. economy. S&P 500 index down six points now to 2170. That's a drop of three-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials down 62 points, also a drop of three-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ down eight, a decline of two-tenths of one percent. Tenure down 330 seconds, yield there 1.58 percent. Gold down 510 the ounce to 1307, a drop of four-tenths of one percent. And crude oil, West Texas Intermediate down three and a half percent now, 44.73 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate crude. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Kathleen Hayes, my co-host, Pim Fox, on vacation this week. You can look forward to hearing him back on the show on Monday. Meanwhile, the stock market, what's going to power it ahead if you have a bullish case on stocks? People can talk about global disinflation and uh, lack of business spending in the United States, a consumer that's spending some money but not exactly roaring. Well, if you want a bullish case, according to Bill Smead, Chief Executive, of, uh, Executive Officer and Chief Investment Officer at Smead Capital Management in Seattle, let's start with housing. Bill, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kathleen. Good to be with you. Well, so this is a this is a, a, a thesis you've had for a while, and you would argue, I think, that as of August twenty third of twenty sixteen, there was a shot heard around the world that is is really evidence that your thesis is working. Right. The, uh, the sale of new homes came in at a pace that was eighty thousand above the average of the economists, a, a, a kind of a shocking number, and we have been telling people that. You have to be patient because you're you're dealing with the behavior of millions of people between the ages of 25 and 40. So it, it, it's not like it's all going to happen the same day, uh, and it's not like you're going to yell fire in the theater. They're all going to run out and buy a house at the same time. But when first-time home buyers show up in a big way, and by the way, at age 35, a first-time home buyer won't buy a first-time home, right? They'll they'll buy a much nicer home because they've been paying an exorbitant amount of rent to what we like to refer to as Mr. Potter-like landlords. Well, I I've been interested in your thesis since you started espousing it. What two, three, however many years ago that was, Bill? Because when people said, "Oh, millennials aren't going to buy homes. Oh, they're going to want to rent," that you know, other, they see others being burned in in the Great Recession. I keep thinking, "Hey, wait a minute. Just let them get a little bit older. Let them get married. Let them have a kid or two. And you know what? Th- those kids, those millennials, are going to grow up enough to say, "No, I'd like a house." And oh, by the way, instead of just looking at, at things on my mobile phone for TV. I'm going to look on my mobile phone, but I want one of those big, nice, flat panels to put on my living room wall. 
Right. There's a, a whole bunch of things mixed in with this. For example, the 10-year Treasury rate is currently 1.55, and that is the primary interest rate for setting mortgages because the average time it takes to pay off a mortgage is 12 years. So if, by chance, 86 million people between 21 and 40 have about 60% of them uh, buy homes in the next 10 years to 15 years, uh, there's going to be tremendous demand for credit. So rather than focusing all the time on the Federal Reserve Board and asking how are they going to set interest rates, why don't you just watch the demand that comes from the largest population group? So if this thesis is going to hold, what do I buy, Bill? Well, first of all, it, it will be a bifurcation, and it probably to us, the, if we're right, the most gratifying part of this will be uh, there will be a parting of the Red Sea between passive and active, because uh, we also wrote recently that it appears that the S&P 500 index has dra- uh, trapped itself in large capitalization uh, U.S. companies that are very overpriced from a historical standpoint and very overowned by active managers. That would be your staples, your utilities, your, your glam tech stocks with nosebleed uh, uh, P.E. ratios and huge capitalizations. So the index is pretty well trapped in three or four or five uh, categories of large capitalization companies, and they don't own very many businesses that employ carpenters or plumbers or electricians or or really have much to do at all with what happens when you go through a 10-year period of sustained and successful home building. Okay. Now, what about uh, other, get a little bit broader, other kinds of companies, other kinds of industries that are on your shopping list right now? Well, the, the first one is the one that started to perk up the most just lately, and that is the financials. The, the, the lack of participation in borrowing money for cars or, or homes has caused the environment for bank lending to be very subdued, and therefore the velocity of money has been low. So even though the Federal Reserve has created a lot of money, as they've created it, the velocity has slowed down. So if you see a pickup in velocity, and and by the way, we know that demographically and mathematically it's a a certainty, the spending between age 25 and 35 goes up 62% in the United States on average. So we know that just the aging of this group is going to cause a 62% rise in spending. So not only is borrowing going up, but velocity is going up. So we like, you know, we like Wells Fargo, we like Bank America, we like J.P. Morgan, and a number of other financials that we own that, that would enjoy better interest rate spreads, but also, far more important, a lot of Main Street activity, right? A lot of little nicks out of help assisting clients with the financial services they need from living life and getting married, having kids, and doing those kind of things. Why do you like Aflac? Uh, Aflac is the, the largest seller of supplemental health insurance in the United States of America. And we ask a lot of people who number two is, and I've never met anybody besides us that could tell us. And, and, and so when you get a child is the first time that you really seriously consider supplemental health insurance. Okay. So we're having a baby boom between the ages of 30 and 45 in the United States right now. Uh, Wall Street Journal had a piece, uh, I'd say it was about two months ago, and it showed that last year birthing was flat, but birthing is flat because we've had a monumental drop-off in the last 20 years, 75% reduction in teenage pregnancy, and a drastic reduction in births for women 20 to 25. So to be flat 
and you've got a big drop-off in the people that were having kids over the last 20 years, guess who had to pick up the pace? And that is uh, women are waiting later in life, get, going to college, creating a career, getting married, you know, 27, 28, 29, 30, and then having their children in their 30s. There's an explosion of, of birth rate between 30 and 45. Sounds like a good, solid uh, trend to me that really lays the groundwork for a stronger fundamentals across the country, right? The culture, the economy, the productivity even. Berkshire Hathaway, uh, yep. one that you, well, let, you, you, you feel, go ahead. No, no. Uh, let, let, me, let me just caution everybody, though. Remember, in our thesis, yeah, it, it's great for Main Street, but it's going to be a lot tougher on Wall Street. Now, for, first of all, the, the, as the interest rates rise, the history would be that that compacts price earnings ratios. So for people that have been way overpaying for four- or five-year-out earnings estimates, when those interest rates rise, what pe- people are willing to pay for money that comes a long way down the road goes down. So uh, we're very positive about what we're positive on, but we're also very negative about the way that people that have bought stocks just for the dividend or, or others. So Berkshire Hathaway is unusually well-positioned for almost any environment. They have $70 billion sitting in cash to make their next acquisition. Uh, they are a huge holder of financial instruments, a lender. Buffett would love for capital to get more dear, right? He would love for interest rates to go up and for price-earnings ratios to go down. He's the largest owner of Bank America, American Express, Wells Fargo. He just recently asked for permission to exceed 10% ownership of Wells Fargo. And, and uh, so he's, you know, he owns the second largest residential real estate brokerage. Uh, he owns the Shaw Carpet, uh, the, the, the Benjamin Moore Paint. He owns the railroad. I was near my hometown in southern Washington a couple of, uh, a couple of days ago, and the train went by, and about 60% of the cars were finished wood heading west on the Burlington Northern Santa Fe. Hmm. And I promise you, five years ago, the train didn't have finished wood. It had logs, and it was headed east to China. Well, that's an interesting trend, too. Just really quickly, uh, South Washington, which town is your hometown? Uh, Washougal. And I just ran into one of your high school friends, Gwen, at a talk I did in Everett, Washington, yesterday, and she said to say hi. All righty. Well, you know, Washougal, I know that very well, right across the Columbia River from uh, Portland. Really quickly, Wells Fargo is another company you like. It was interesting when the odds jumped of an interest rate increase, the regionals outperformed, and so did Wells Fargo among all the big banks. People are positive. Yeah, remember that the three big banks that we own, they probably hold 55% of the deposits in the United States. And there's lots of fantasies out there about how the fintech companies and these kind of sideways lenders coming from the outside are going to do all the mortgages. The problem is you got to have deposits to make mortgages, right? You you you, you can't just make a mortgage. You, somebody has to have the deposits to make the mortgage. So once these uh, young people, and when I say young, I mean below 40, start buying houses and cars in large volumes, uh, the banks are, are are in a position to get a lion's share of that business. Bill Smith, thank you so much for joining us. Chief Executive Officer, Chief Investment Officer, Smead Capital Management, more than $2.3 billion under management. He's located in Seattle. Millennials, they're having families, they're having kids, they're building homes. That's going to be the behind a nice move up in stocks for some time. I'm Kathleen Hayes. This is Bloomberg. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.